And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Thursday, June Ninth, we are comfortably into the third month of this 2022 Major League Baseball season. We got a lot to talk about on today's episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Mike Kerland going to be joining us to break down some of the uh, more intriguing lineup things happening across the league. First of all, let me introduce my co-host, that is Al Melchior. Al, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hello, I'm doing very well on a, a suddenly sunny day here in Massachusetts after much rain. Much rain across the Northeast, right? We had some uh, postponements, Mid-Atlantic and Northeast yesterday. So it's good, right? It's good. It's, uh, it's Thursday. As we're recording here, it's already afternoon uh, everywhere, even in the Pacific time zone, we are into the afternoon. So we've already got some baseball going on today, but uh, good to get everyone back on the field after some postponements on Wednesday. Very good to get Mike Curland back on the podcast as well. Mike was with us way, 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 way back on opening day, and we talked about some of the things we were uh, going to uh, be looking into uh, in that opening weekend. So Mike, just fill in the blanks over the last three months. What, what can you tell us about baseball in general since April 7th? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, base, The one thing I love about baseball, and I think we all do, is just it's baseball. And that's the best way to describe it because mm-hmm. it's as chaotic as ever. Um, as, the, as analytics play a bigger role in the game, more and more is changing. Um, it's constantly growing, good, bad, or otherwise, depending on how you feel about it. But it's an ever-changing thing that's what keeps it exciting throughout the whole year and i mean we're already seeing so much change so frequently and we're only yeah. we're not even halfway through yet or about not even halfway there. through we're getting yeah, right there. we're just we're a little bit more than a third of the way through and we have seen a ton of change you can follow mike on twitter at mike underscore curland k-u-r-l-a-n-d definitely something you're going to want to do if you haven't already done it and mike i want to start with a couple of changes that we have seen of late those being managerial changes joe girardi out in philly joe madden out in la is there anything here i mean it could be nothing you can totally just say no and we can move on but is there anything you're looking for here with the new managers in those respective cities well, yeah, but just like anything else, new managers, you want to see who they like. And for instance, in Philly, you're seeing Mickey Moniak play a lot more than Odubel Herrero. And I think that kind of, I'm not sure if it started right when the new manager took place or took over, but you're seeing Moniak outplay Odubel. And they're both lefties, so it's a weird platoon happening. Like, Odubel is actually hitting against lefties more than Moniak's starting against righties, even though Odubel did get a start against a righty the other night. But you are seeing Moniak get more run. Maybe that's the new manager having preference. You're seeing, uh, you saw Bohm, although Bohm is deserving of it, he moved back down the lineup. Is that the new manager? Is that play? Is that a combination? And that's kind of what you're going to start watching for in LA and other places, like as managers, if if more management starts to get 
fired or move on, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'm trying to think LA. I mean, Joe Adele, I was curious to see his yeah. usage with the new manager. He actually got benched the second game start prior to Trout leaving with an injury. So, yep. but now he's batting second. So, is it is it lack of options? Is it maybe the new manager wants to see what he can do? And that's kind of what we're watching for. Just almost throwing away everything we know about these guys and these teams and starting to watch from these new managers day one and see how they see if they're big on rotating players in and out, see who they like and prefer up and down the order and kind of just gather new information, a new data set. Yeah, I guess we should be paying a little bit closer attention to those two lineups because, uh, again, you know, those managers are still fairly new. But, yeah, that's an interesting thing to watch. And uh, also development in Toronto that I think is really interesting. And one that I don't know if I'm I'm on an island with this took me a little by surprise with the news that Gabriel Moreno is going to be promoted, uh, is expected to be promoted by this weekend. I had an opportunity to write him about write about Moreno this week in the prospects column, but it's just he hadn't been hitting that well at AAA, and I just thought, that's eh, it's not right around the corner. And then you know the next day, <laughs> news comes out that Moreno's coming up. So, what are your expect- expectations for Moreno, both in terms of role and in terms of performance? Uh, I think we should probably just take a look at what Zach Collins is doing in terms of playing time and assume that that's going to be Moreno's role because Kirk isn't going anywhere. He finally has come around with the power. That bat has been there, been a lively bat now for going on the better part of a month probably at this point. So I think Kirk is still going to retain a lot of that playing time. I think Moreno is going to essentially fill, which is still a good role if, if he gets the full run. I don't see this team carrying three catchers, but I guess Collins can be DH. But it's not like they need a DH with everybody healthy. They kind of rotate throughout it. Uh, Springer will get it. You see Guerrero started there yesterday at DH. So they're going to – I don't think they're going to utilize anybody specifically at DH. And, of course, you still have Kirk, who is a better bat than a, than a glove. So I think Moreno is just going to fall into probably a decent amount of playing time, assuming that – this is me just assuming Collins doesn't mm-hmm. st- stick around. If Collins sticks around, then it's a huge mess and something I don't want any part of. But Moreno, we all know, is interesting. He has the pedigree. He has uh, he has the name recognition. And let's be honest, most of us, a lot of us play in deeper leagues or two-catcher leagues where give me a pulse and a good lineup and I'm going to go after him. <laughs> so that's my thinking right now with Moreno. Um, Expectations-wise, I'm not sure what to expect production-wise, but good lineup, great plate discipline, and um, and what should be decent playing time. In a good lineup, or in a lineup that we still have every reason to believe is going to be better from June 9th forward than they were from April 7th <laughs> through June 9th, June 8th, whatever they can. I mean, that's, they have to be. They can't not be. They can't not be. That lineup top to bottom can't not be better than it's been to this point of the season. I would not necessarily say the same thing about the Chicago Cubs. I would actually say they've probably, as a lineup top to bottom, overproduced from what we would have guessed way back on April 7th. One guy who started hot and then uh, the league adjusted, he is yet to adjust back. Seiya Suzuki, also been on the IL for uh, the better part of the last couple of weeks with a finger injury. Sounds like he's going to get back for the Cubs at some point during their weekend series in New York against the Yankees. So once Seiya is back, you know he plays every day. What's the domino effect on this Cubs lineup of Suzuki returning? Um, I'm gonna, uh, your guess is as good as mine, I guess. I think, I guess Ortega would go back to having a lesser role because I know he's kind of been wishy washy in terms of production and playing time. They mm. already have uh, Hayward kind of platooning with Clint Frazier. I, I think that they, they seem to like Hayward always. Mm-hmm. I don't think Morel, I know Morel is right now in the outfield, but he has 
by far produced way, in my opinion, way too well to be benched at this point. And oh. they have played him plenty at second. Can he surplant Madrigal at second base? Maybe that's where I'm thinking. Maybe Madrigal loses the playing time. Morel moves over. Mm-hmm. Suzuki moves the outfield, and they continue this outfield rotation between Ortega, Frazier, Hayward, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, there's, I think there's playing time in the outfield. I just, it's hard to. Yeah, I guess we have to go back and look at. I would say look at production, but they really seem mm. to like Hayward. So as much as as much as Hayward doesn't make yeah. sense in my opinion, I think Hayward sticks against righty against righties at least. Ortega may, maybe fits that fourth outfield slash DH role. Morel moves around still, but you don't go from leading off for like fifteen straight games to bench. So no I think Morel's no, the no. only safe option that that's in that outfield. It's just a matter of where does he land and does it take away from Madrigal. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the Atlanta Braves for a little bit, and specifically Ozzie Albies, who for a while seemed pretty entrenched in the seventh spot in the order. Uh, he has hit there recently, but hitting a little bit more uh, up in the order, a fifth uh, last few games. But uh, you know, certainly not what you're hoping to see in combination with uh, sort of a down offensive season from him so far. So, what uh, is this? A, maybe a buy low opportunity? Do you see him? staying up in the middle of the order or are you concerned um i just i don't know what's going on with albies i guess his approach maybe just isn't what we hoped it to be with this new ball or with the new climate the humidor might be taking away from somebody like him who we always knew the power was always kind of fringe with albies he used to make it work because of his he especially last year with more of a pull heavy fly ball approach but these years this year you're seeing fly balls die and he's still implementing Albies, that is, is still implementing a fifty, a forty-two point six percent fly ball rate and a forty-eight point nine percent pull rate. So he still has that same approach. The problem is, is that approach in twenty twenty-two isn't as effective for guys with fringe power. And I think that's where you're seeing the BABIP issues. That's where you're seeing the batting average kind of come up lackluster, and the power is just not doing it for him. Um, Ultimately, though, yeah, I've noticed he's moving. It's weird. He, they're actually bouncing him around during against lefties. He's moving up the fifth, and then last against the last four righties he's seen, he's batted seventh. And I don't. And the last time he's batted above fifth against a righty, it's been one time in almost a month that he's batted higher than fifth in the lineup against a righty. So. I don't know if there's much wiggle room there for him unless there's an injury to Acuna, which it seems like Acuna's day-to-day once a week right now. Mm-hmm. So there is that opportunity for uh, playing time and whatnot. But, you know, Swanson has stepped up and his approach is, has been better this year. So Albies is almost just a product of being in too good of a lineup. Like, even if he like, – maybe if he gets going, they'll move him up. But um, ultimately – I, I, I'm just concerned that his approach, although it's been successful in the past, I don't know if Albies will – 
age well with this new with this new everything. I, I don't. It's almost like because there's not much different in the profile. The bad is the same as last year. The plate discipline is pretty much the same as it's always been for his career. Then you you got to assume it's just his approach. It's just not aging well with this new uh, with with everything. That's the only thing I could think of. Um, I guess it's a buy low. I just don't know what to expect because it's a it's a new year for data at this point. It feels right. like. Yeah, and if if it really is, if it's if it's something we can point to that, <clears throat> excuse me, it concerns you just that you know this is this has he's always been his approach has always been prone to streakiness, and you know, we could live with it in the past. We could more than live with it in the past. We were very happy with it in the past because the good streaks were long and they were extremely good. But there was always going to be those down streaks for him, and if now that's flipped. Right, if the if the down streaks are longer and worse, that's where the, the if it's like a negative peak, right, <laughs> then, yeah. rather than a positive peak, uh, then that's where you're going to get concerned with Ozzy Albee. So something that uh, you know we're still figuring out here, and uh, gotta believe he's going to be living in the bottom half of that order for the foreseeable future. Kike Hernandez been living on the uh, not only the top half but the top spot in Boston's order for most of the season, but Kike finds himself on the IL right now. Is there any meaningful winner here? We know there's going to be someone who gets more playing time, someone who gets bumped up to the top of the lineup, but is there someone here who gets a win in such a way that they suddenly become more meaningful to us in the fantasy world? The only okay, so we're all we're all rooting for Duran at this point, right? Like it has to be. <laughs> like I just I feel like the Red Sox just hate Jared Duran. So Jaron Duran is somebody who comes to mind instantly, and every every time he's come up, albeit for like a day or two, every time he leads off. So we know that potential there for Duran is there. However, they seem to hate him, or they're trying. To, maybe they're trying to get that super two date, which I have no idea what it is for him. Maybe they're trying to get the extra year out of Duran. So. The immediate fix, in my opinion, I know yesterday we saw Arroyo lead off and play right field. I don't see that happening much. I think Franchi moves to the outfield and Dalbeck gets back to more playing time at first base. And Dalbeck's been playing more, uh, has been playing, be- hitting better lately. And that matters because maybe there's that'll give them reason to at least give him another shot at starting regularly at first base, which we all know if Dalbeck can actually get going, the power potential is difference making, especially in today's climate where the power is down. Maybe this guy can get some regular run and produce. Um, trying. To, I was just looking. I noticed his stat line popped out at me the last few days, the last couple of weeks. But I'm thinking a lot of that is because of the fact that he's playing against like a lot of lefties. But mm-hmm. since the 25th of May, so that's roughly what um, 13 games. About two weeks from now, he's been he's been hitting. Dahlbeck's been hitting 286, 359, 514. Um, Strikeouts are always an issue, 28%, but still double-digit walk rate, couple home runs. It's weird. It's almost like he's given up some of that power for more batting average. I don't know if that's just if that's by design or not, but Dahlbeck's the guy, the immediate, in my mind, the immediate winner in terms of gaining playing time, going from a platoon to a more full-time role because they hate Duran, is my opinion. They just hate him. I don't know why. <laughs> you could definitely get that impression. Uh, that's for sure. Hope, hope that to be proven wrong. Not sunny everywhere in Massachusetts, Al. <laughs> Apparently not. Well, I know the, the 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 team that we all really want to be talking about here is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Next, there's there's some it, no there's some interesting stuff going on in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, so you got Cal Mitchell, who's was recently called up, playing regularly, at least putting up some good good power numbers in limited time. Travis Swaggerty coming up, not getting regular play so far, but it's only been a, a few games that he's been up. Uh, Tukapita Marcano in the lineup. Uh, Diego Castillo getting some regular run at shortstop. So you, you're seeing a, a bit of a change in the lineup there. Younger bats getting a chance. Uh, we still haven't seen O'Neill Cruz this year. He could be up soon. Um, 
Jihan Bay could be up soon. So yeah, I've thrown out the names of like half a dozen young players <laughs> that all could make a case for regular playing time. Is there anyone out of that group or maybe somebody I didn't mention that could be somebody that, that should be on our radar, at least in deeper leagues? Uh, Jack Sawinski. He's caught my attention here. He's moved up. He's bat, He's hit third in three of the last four games, um, batting fifth in the one game he didn't bat third So in these last four games. So he's moving up the order. And over the last two weeks, Swinski, uh, again, the plate discipline's been iffy, not really walking a lot, striking out about 26% of the time. So not bad, just, you know, whatever. But the 343 batting average with 395 OBP and 571 slug, two home runs, a stolen base, playing every day, moving up the order. Kind of, It's kind of how you have to catch these guys on the Pirates because, you know, Chavis, uh, Chavis has had his hot streaks. He's kind of on a downswing, even though he started, like, what, six of the last seven, I think it is for him. So Chavis has, like, had been on a little bit of a heater, then slowed down once he got everyday playing time. And uh, Marcano actually had a little bit of a run prior to, like, a, a slow week this week. So uh, Swinski right now is just having a pretty decent two weeks and somebody who could be a fifth outfielder in leagues. And he's been relevant previously too he'll go through like a little bit of a hot streak here and there and but like you mentioned it's kind of like who knows with the pirates he's just the one name that caught my attention recently while i'm like huh he's running hot again and somebody you could plug in and the line of spots getting better for him yeah, it could be a team that uh is interesting to watch as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline we're still a little ways away and we'll ask you about that a little later in the show but uh, a team that could certainly see some changes as the deadline draws nearer in that same division the st louis cardinals welcoming back tyler o'neill just a couple of days ago and sliding right back into his familiar left field spot hitting in the middle of the order any downstream effects uh, that you are interested in seeing in st louis from uh, tyler o'neill's return and again just to remind you no a perfectly acceptable answer but we got to ask with a guy like that back in the lineup well, the fact that they slotted him right back into the middle of the order, even with Arenado out, so what, O'Neill bats fifth at worst against righties. Mm -hmm. Gorman has yet to start at all against the lefties, so I'm guessing that's not going to change anytime soon, not to mention Gorman is having strikeout issues, which we all kind of saw coming with his AAA track record, or assumed could have happened, I should say. I'm wondering how that affects, um, does, does Juan Yepes lose playing time? I figured Donovan might play, might lose playing time, some Brandon Donovan, but he's been decent, like just very boring, kind of like a set him forget him type of fantasy, but more of like a real life, just better on base type of guy. I don't know if they're going to take him out of the lineup too much. I mean, obviously they still have spots with Newt Bar playing against righties lately, and you know, they obviously Carlson's due back though. So uh, how much, how committed are they to Pujols? Is Pujols finally going to just be the? I mean, it sounds like it seems like he should just be starting against lefties. It looks like he has kind of gone that way, but you know randomly Pujols will make these appearances like okay sure Pujols is a thing for this team but um ultimately I think Pujols is going to be releg relegated to uh, time against lefties only O'Neill Carlson figure back in and then it's just a matter of watching the Yepes and Donovan I think that if both are I, I don't know I want Donovan to be a thing I, I think I'm a little biased there is <laughs> what it is he's just so solid though the guy's like still getting on base at a good, great clip he's just not flashy for fantasy so it's one of those Cardinals types of guys that um is just going to be there and be in the way, but at the same time, be productive. <laughs> yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? 
Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, well, uh, I want to focus on some players who are definitely getting a benefit from where they are in the batting order, but aren't necessarily doing a lot with that with that opportunity. Nick Senzel is one player. I think that that fits that category. Uh, DVR brought him up on the the Friday waiver show as somebody maybe who who could show more than what he has so far. But I think about him, about Kevin Kiermeyer, Ahmed Rosario, uh, maybe Lane Thomas, now that he's playing uh, more with the Nationals. These are all hitters that are hitting, you know, in the one, two, or three spot. Uh, it, like I said, not necessarily doing a lot with it, but also, you know, maybe maybe available uh, and, and able to help in spite of that. Is there anybody in that group or anybody else in that category that stands out that you think might might be a little sneaky for fantasy? Um, I mean, I think Senzel caught my attention the most only because he's providing something in a couple categories that might be hard to fill. Since leading off, since beginning, since starting to lead off again uh, regularly the 26th of May, he's batting 300 with a 364 OBP, so the leadoff stuff should stick. Nine runs, two stolen bases, So, and this is over roughly, what, like eight games or so? Um, I think that that's enough to be relevant in deeper formats where a lot of these guys you mentioned, like Rosario, I've dropped in 12s, but it's frustrating because I drop him, he gets a stolen base or two, hits for a decent average, <laughs> I chase him again, and then he had like a, he had like a slow week, I'm like, I just give up. But, um, but he's a guy that I'm wondering how long does Rosario stick, like right now he's hitting decent again, but you have Andres Jimenez absolutely killing it, and no reason why he can't move up that lineup, so that's one of those lineups I'm watching closely. So I don't really necessarily trust Rosario. Not to mention they've actually dropped him in the lineup previously this year, so they have a, they have shown a willingness to move him down if needed. So Rosario, I don't trust if he can't get going beyond the occasional hot streak. But Senzel's just somebody that caught my attention because he's giving you a little bit of runs. The batting average has been there and a couple stolen bases. And those stolen bases have been more recent, uh, two out of his last three starts. So that could be more on the upswing. You're catching it before he gets going on the base pass, maybe. But ultimately, um, I mean, those are the two that caught my attention. One positive, one negative. But let's be honest, you're not rostering Senzel probably in anything shallower than a 15 right now because mm-hmm. he's not giving you enough anywhere else and since a pedigree guy though that if you are Always. in one of those deeper leagues right you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be tantalized you're gonna be tempted to uh, just think that maybe just maybe this is the time that things get going alec thomas also a, a pedigree guy here a little bit different in that we're seeing him for the first time just 22 years old he's been in for some decent pop right he's got five homers and 103 trips to the plate he's got a 452 slug so the power's been there a little bit to be desired elsewhere but hey that's going to happen with a guy making his uh, major league debut 22 years old. For our purposes here, something that we're obviously concerned about, basically stuck in, in the bottom third of Arizona's lineup, and it doesn't seem that there's any reason to think that that's going to change soon. How much, if any, would you value him more if and when that does end up changing? I just I feel like when it finally changes, it'll come with production, right? Um, Thomas is just one of those guys where he started off blazing hot, and I guess pitching is kind of adjusted to him, but he's been a little unlucky. We're talking a 236 Babbitt for Alec Thomas. Um, he's hitting just 237 now, but the strikeout rate and the plate discipline still still remains a strength of his, which 
provides a reason for optimism. But he, we're talking about a guy who has one hit in his last four uh, games. I don't know. I guess one of the games might have been pinch hit appearance, only two play appearances. But ultimately, a guy that's just kind of slowed down, had that really had that big two hundred game over the weekend, and then slowed back down again. Uh, I just he's playing though, and he provides upside. And right now, you're kind of chasing that. But I mean, he's I have a few shares, and he's sitting on my bench where I can't afford to because I still think he's worth stashing. But it's going to take some production and sustained production at that because you have guys like Cattell Marte, uh, Rojas, and others, and Christian Walker, Peralta, guys that are performing at a point that it's going to take some time to push them off. And Thomas hasn't. It's not. And Thomas has would have to get going from day one. So if it happens, sure, I'm in on it. But I just don't know if I can see it happening anytime soon. Uh, well, you know, I asked you uh, a little bit earlier about some possible uh, sell highs, or uh, or I should say buy lows rather. But I'm wondering about Marcus Simeon and whether maybe he is uh, that had uh, sell high on the brain. Maybe all of a sudden, maybe he's, uh, you know, flipped from being somebody that you just you had to live with because he was doing absolutely nothing. And there was no way you could trade him for anything. Uh, but now for his uh, last 70 plate appearances, he's hitting 333. He's got six home runs. He's completely turned it around and then some. So if you're a manager that's got Marcus Simeon, what do you do? Oh, <laughs> does that answer it? Uh, I'm just wondering what changed because when you looked at his stuff preseason, you saw that his approach, but this was before the humidors, we knew how they would work. His approach and his home run, uh, like grid, he was his home runs all would have pretty much cleared the fences in that whole division last year. So it was never an issue of if the power would play. But then it became an issue of the power of play, and I think a lot of that is because for Simeon, it's similar to Albie's in the approach. So I just pulled up a two-week sample randomly because why not? I'm kind of just going off limb why here. Not? I'm hoping that maybe he started hitting more line drives, and no, he did not. So I don't know what the real difference is. He's getting maybe the ball is traveling better with the humidor changes. Um, a lot of road games, I'd say about at least half of those games have been on the road. Maybe the humidor is affecting places like, and of course it's Oakland and Seattle, so that that's, that's the type of pitching he could probably hit a little better. But um, I'm just wondering if maybe that's all it is, is the ball is finally playing up to his favor compared to the ball earlier in the year. Uh, I still wonder, if you're selling high, though, realistically, what can you get? I mean, he's still stealing you bases, and there's no issues in the plate discipline. It's not like it's a swing and miss issue. So there's some bad Babbitt luck, Babbitt luck, but he's not a huge Babbitt guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm almost like I only have – I think I have one or two shares, and I'm just riding it out because realistically – I don't know what I can get for him. And I don't want to see him like, oh, go sell high. But what is selling high for Marcus Simeon right now? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Cause it's pro yeah, I think you, I think that answers the question <laughs> because I can't think of as somebody who has Simeon, uh, who I'd feel comfortable asking for knowing that it, probably in the back of that other manager's mind, they're thinking of, you know, the, the, the first almost two months of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem. It's like, maybe I can go get Willie Adamas, like thinking like that's kind of a linear move maybe, but at the same time, Adamas has name recognition and people might think, well, he just got back. He's healthy. Maybe I want to, they want to see what they can get out of him. And even then, what do you go get a buy low pitcher? But even, but if they're a buy low pitcher at this point in the year, do you really believe in them? <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like Mike Walker Bueller. Do you think that's realistic? Maybe one struggling guy for another, just swapping positions. I don't, and even then, do you really want Walker Bueller? I don't know if I do. I you know, I kind of want to be the I mean I'm not I kind of want to be I am definitely the uh, the the pro Marcus Semyon K I mean Al what, was that just last week that we were talking about Semyon on this show was it two uh, it was with uh, with Legeza 
Uh, yeah. That was two well, weeks ago, that, right? Two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I, Al, you know, I mean, we've been doing shows long enough together. You know this about me. Like, guys who have, guys who have like some proven track records, baseball's a very long season. I sort of always trust them to get back to what they are. So I would actually be, I would be the person willing to acquire Marcus Semyon with what he's seen. I'm not going to go out and say, I mean, what were we, we were drafting what top 30 or so right back in uh back in march i'm not going to do that but if someone was if someone was willing to part with him if someone thought let me say it like this if someone thought because of what he's done recently they were selling him high i would be more than happy to oblige them and be on the buying end of that that's i, I just sort of trust a guy to, to find his level who has proven to us uh what he is in multiple stops in multiple seasons of his career that would be well, my like, pro semi case I like the Bueller call on that. Yeah. I think that that could be a good match for for both managers. Certainly could be. You know, it'd be a good match for Tony Larusa if he just actually did something that made some sense. I'm like, you're a lineup construction guru. Like, this has got to be driving you crazy that we've been dealing with this now for two plus months. Oh, you mean you don't like seeing Danny Mendick and Laurie Garcia leading off for this team? I don't. Regularly? I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> um, it just blew my mind, but they're running out of options, I guess. You know, Tim Anderson's out, um, and that's kind of their guy. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't move Vaughn or Robert up or Robert. Is it Robert or Robert? I ask everybody this because I don't it's know Robert. anymore. It's Robert. Yeah, it's Robert. Okay. Yeah. I want to make sure I do. I try to do it right. So, but even then, why not AJ Pollock? Why not anybody? Grandall. They even they actually did yeah. lead Grandall off. I know he's been struggling, but they actually let him off like a week ago. But anybody over Danny Mendick and Lori Garcia, yeah. both of which are just terrible. So, <laughs> I, I don't understand that, and it's aggravating because one, there was a couple of games where you saw Robert batting fifth with with uh, Garcia leading off. I'm like. I understand maybe keeping Robert second through like two through four, uh-huh. but why are you putting him all the way down in the five spot when you can easily plug him in at leadoff over those guys? So I, they've had so many they've had so many injuries and they've got you know Aloy Jimenez has been uh, his rehab assignment has been stopped. So that's like again like this guy just can't stay healthy. But like at this point, just structure it like a beer league softball team and just, right and just forget about <laughs> lineup convention and just have your best hitter hit first and your next best hitter hit second and your next best hit third and who cares about their profiles beyond that because like having a dude with a 186 OBP or whatever it is for Garcia just isn't going to fly. <laughs> I mean, anywhere. I don't want that guy hitting ninth. I certainly don't want him hitting first. He loves him, man. I don't get it. I mean, he <laughs> seems to really love the guy. Like you look all like he not only does he play every day basically, or has been between injuries uh-huh. and whatnot, but even in the beginning of the season, like you saw him plugging him into the two spot over like a yeah. healthy lineup. I'm like, I really just, I, I don't understand it, but Hey, I mean, it's, it's the time of the worst away, baby. He is the anti Jaron Duran. <laughs> yes, seriously. The last time I, I this is a, a throwback, and obviously this is something that's going to be uh, sort of give away my um, Chicago roots. But I remember uh, back in the late nineties that, uh, um, God, was it that or was it? Yeah, Don Baylor playing Nafi Perez. Like every every opportunity he had to play Nafi Perez. Like let's get Nafi Perez in there. And that's that's I feel like it's I feel like we're getting that again with uh, with Larusa and Larry Garcia here. Just gotta, I'll say you just gotta deal with it. I guess it's unfortunate. Like, unfortunate. Like, what are you gonna? But at the same time, people play in AL only leagues, and these plate appearances do add up and matter. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Trying to be, trying to be optimistic. It seems like the volume is going to be there regardless. Yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic. Realistically, they could be a negative producer even for AL only at this point. Yeah. Ouch. Well. Let's uh, look ahead to the trade deadline. I know it's we're basically in the still the early part of June here. So, well, basically, I've, for Mike, I've got a, a two-parter for you. So, the first question is, 
when is it not too early to start speculating on lineup changes or moves that could be made at the deadline players that, you know, get a, get a more prominent role or maybe dealing away players who are maybe going to have a less prominent role after the deadline. Uh, and which players at this point, you know, should we be thinking about uh, at that, uh, when that stage reaches, reaches us? That is so loaded up. <laughs> Uh, like you got obviously you got to look at the teams who are competing first right figure out who's going to be buyers and sellers does Milwaukee go out and make a move and will that hurt Tyrone Taylor a guy who we've seen be vaulted into a bigger role they're in first place in the division right now and they're competing with St. Louis head on does St. Louis go out and do the same thing do they go out and make one of those weird moves that gets in the way of a Yepes playing every day because he's slowed down or so that's where you start thinking like but you almost I'm afraid that you're like we're gonna like trick ourselves into selling on the players that we shouldn't but sometimes like you just again you gotta do what makes sense i mean how what if the, if the mets are buyers are they buying starting pitching most likely their offense has been fine i guess um so you kind of start there you just go look team by team and you you almost have to address what their needs the dodgers need mm-hmm. the, i'm looking at standings right now so I'm like the dodgers need the x y and z the the padres have plenty of past the playing time once like, even when Tatis comes back, they still have past the playing time. They're probably going to be buyers. So you got to think, okay, who can they buy? And then you have to figure out, let's go to the sellers. Let's go to these bad teams on Washington, on the nationals. Can we see uh, Josh Bell get moved? Even though he's already in a really good lineup. I don't know if people realize how good Josh Bell has been. Maybe you buy high on Josh Bell thinking that his mm-hmm. production in RBIs and whatnot, or even power get better. Cause maybe he goes to a, a, a just a better ballpark for, I, I, I was going to say the Yankees. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. They have Rizzo, but it doesn't matter. There's plenty of ballparks he could fit into and, be- and plenty of better lineups he could fit into and become a really strong contributor in the counting stats that maybe you're lacking in. And you can probably buy high on him because most people selling Josh Bell probably look at him like he's really good, but I still think, I don't think, I don't know. I feel like he's not being talked about at all in fantasy shows because he is just solid and boring. Um, and then I'm trying to think whether teams, um, does Toronto go out and get a more regular DH? Does that hurt Kirk? Can Kirk be, or do they want to keep Kirk as a DH? Do they want to keep him as a catcher? I'm thinking they probably don't need a DH, so maybe they don't make that move. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just keep Kirk and roll with him instead of trading high, thinking that they're going to fill that spot. Um, try, I, I'm Boston. just, sorry, go ahead. Boston? I yeah. Mean, you got to like think a lightning round. What's a lightning round ad for that team? Or do they sell? Because that, that team is getting so competitive, right? Like, it's hard to tell. Like, are they I mean, gonna? They gotta. They gotta think they're a playoff team, don't uh, they? they? I think would they? They would, have, they would have. Yeah, they would have to go for pitching, right? Because that division, that's like their biggest yeah. weakness. When Walker yeah. is one of your best guys, that's a problem. <laughs> yes, definitely. But they have to think they're a playoff. Trey Mancini, probably a great name. Trey Mancini is batting over three hundred. Uh-huh. Was last I looked on the year. Trey Mancini is a middle of the lineup guy from pretty much any team he goes to. And with yeah. that, with the fence changes there. That's I heard it. I'm pretty sure it's already taken away one or two home runs. But you take his potential, his his hit tool and his overall potential, put him in the middle of another of another performing lineup lineup, and Mancini become a, becomes a guy that, mm-hmm. or and Garrett Cooper, same same guy, the Marlins. I'm a Marlins fan. I'm very aware they're going to be sellers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm very accepted that. But the Marlins <laughs> s- selling never. But um, a guy like Garrett Cooper, who again batting average is so tough to come by. The guy is just hitting he's just a pro hitter right now these are guys that you can go out and get for cheap as it is bad teams um even in good lineup spots they could probably end up on better teams in decent lineup spots and be better producers as long as that skill set follows them so the brewers the brewers feel like milwaukee st louis like they have to they have to go after it like i mean you're you're one of those teams and like i mean uh, look getting through getting through a 
the Dodgers is ridiculous. Getting through the Dodgers and a Mets team that has DeGrom and Scherzer back in the rotation, I mean, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, we, should be, we should be thinking about those teams as the comfortable favorites in the NL. But if you're Milwaukee and St. Louis, like, uh, how do you not go after it? How do you not go after someone? How do you not – if you're one of those teams, how are you not adding – if you're Milwaukee, how are you not adding offense? If you're St. Louis, how are you not adding pitching? Yeah. At least trying to. I mean, Milwaukee needs like – this is something we've been talking about with this team for years. Like, just go go add a bat. Like, do something. You're not gonna have you're not gonna have these pitchers on these deals forever. Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe they can pull out maybe they can pull out what the Rays do every like every other year. They have like a new guy that comes up like Baz McClanahan. They they got McClanahan. rid of they got rid of Price at the end of his career. They yeah. they've been sustaining dumped this. Chris Archer. Yeah, they dumped Chris Archer. They they got back um uh, who did they get back in that deal? Oh my goodness, Austin Meadows. Thank you. Yeah, uh, and this is one of those things where they've kind of made all the right moves at the right times. I mean, they they have their misses. Don't get me wrong, but far yes. more, far less misses than hits, obviously. So yeah. the Rays are the exception to the rule, not the rule. So you know, I mean, they're the rule, not the exception to the rule. So um, White that's... Sox will be interesting too. Like they got to think they're better than they are, but they've been so injured. But like, how long does the window <laughs> last? Like that is going to be. That's an interesting team, and the Twins. I mean, right? I mean, the Twins. The Twins have some needs, of course, but like they made a, those feel a little bit more sorry. rotation based, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just I, no, no. they made a ton of moves at the beginning of the year too, like those yeah. weird trades. Like, we're, like we're, we're 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 all sitting there questioning what are they doing, and now they're winning their division right now. So, yeah. <laughs> what do we know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, it's, and then you got the the Padres and the Giants. Like, I don't know. It's 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 gonna it's gonna be a super like. We're also we're all heading into uncharted territory with this 16 playoff in terms of what that's going to mean for buyers and sellers. Oh, absolutely! Because, like, right? Like we like it's we we've all watched this sport for a very long time, and like you know, logically we can say logically I can sit here and say here's Boston, they're 30 and 27, they have the one two three four five, they've got the sixth best record in the American League right now. They played horribly through the first five six weeks of the season. They're so much better. Like, they were always better than that. They've shown us they're better than that. This is a team that very clearly should be buyers, but we don't know exactly what the sixth, what this extra playoff team means. And what not, not just say, like, it, it sort of feels, you guys, almost like we got a couple of extra playoff teams because we were knocking, you know, we had five teams for the last however many years, but we were knocking one of them out after one game. So now it feels like we, we have, like, two more legitimate playoff teams this year than we've ever had. And it's going to be, you're never going to want to put too much stock into one deadline. But we are going to learn. We are going to have a very interesting data point over these next six, seven weeks, and how that affects the fantasy baseball world. We're just going to have to wait and find out. The funny thing you mentioned was uh, they have the sixth best or, uh, record in, in the yeah. AL. Three <laughs> yeah. of them are ahead of them, though. Like, yeah, four, fourth in their division. The fourth in their division sixth with the, the sixth AL. best. Yeah, that's what I wanted to make sure. Like, like you realize, like yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, that, it could work itself out, I guess. But it's just one of those things where it's crazy. Like. That's what we have right now. Four of the top six teams in the AL right now are in the same division. It is ridiculous. A balanced power finally shifting in the NBA where it's not just the Western Conference dominating everything. Maybe the AL East will finally even out and uh, the American League, as it were, would even out across the board here. But that is not happening this season. That's going to do it, you guys, for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Again, Mike Curland, our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Mike, thanks again for being with us. Thanks for having me. Love coming on and um. I'm happy to do it anytime.
Yeah, you got it, Mike. We are always happy to have you. So check out Mike's work here at The Athletic. Check out Al Melchior's work at The Athletic as well. For Al, for Mike, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for listening here. You've got another episode of the show coming your way on Friday. Al and DVR breaking down the waiver wire going into this weekend. For everyone here, to all of you there, thanks so much for listening. We'll be talking to you soon. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.